Hey guys, Darren Watts here. Uh, before we get into this podcast, I just want to throw a disclaimer out there for everybody that's listening. Firstly, I appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to me. But if anybody is listening to this podcast for the sake of advice, well, for the sake of actually trying to solicit advice from a professional, professional, then I'm not your guy. I would recommend that you listen to another podcast that has just that, a professional mental health personnel, psychologist, and all of them. But if you're listening to me just to hear my story, hear other people's story, and just solicited uh, some knowledge or some educational stuff from what I read, then this is the podcast for you to listen to. Well, we all know that um, Britney Spears has been in the news a lot here um, after her end of her 13-year conservatorship. Um, All in the news about her um, posing nude and stuff like that and, you know, enjoying her life after... um, after the 13-year conservatorship that she got control of her finances and stuff like that, she has actually went out and enjoyed her life, which is absolutely nothing wrong with what she's doing. But a lot of people has a lot of um, issues with her doing that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with what she's doing. So I'm just going to be clear on that right now. If that helps her, her mental health, Damn it, you do what you got to do. It's it's her life that she's living. It's not Charles. You know, so that's not the, the reason why I really bring that up. Um, <clears throat> but her mental health has actually come into effect. Um, she had uh, gotten pregnant and then eventually had a miscarriage. And I didn't even know this up until now that uh, she has shared that she had had perinatal depression. This is from an uh, article from uh, VeryWellFamily.com uh, by Claire Gillespie explaining her uh, perinatal depression. Now, I don't know if this was, I believe this was probably during her pregnancy when she experienced this, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. But the three key takeaways from this was that uh, she had uh, revealed that she was pregnant at that time with her first child. And then on Instagram, she had also shared an experience of perinatal depression during her previous pregnancies. And depression is a common complication during pregnancy, would believed to affect up to one in seven birthing parents. So, Britney Spears has barely been out of the news for the last 12 months following her legal battles over a 13-year conservatorship. Uh, During the court proceedings, she had revealed that she had been forced to take birth control, which denied her the third child she's longed for. Man, are you for real? Boy, I'm glad she's out of this mess. That right there, that's just like taking your freedom away. 
If you feel like that somebody has to be that irresponsible for their life, what in the world, man? What in the world? It just, it, it, it really, it really just catches my attention. I didn't even know that. It looked like they had like full blown control over her. So, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, in her post, uh, she touched on her previous experiences of pregnancy, including her mental health struggles. Uh, it's hard because when I was pregnant, I had perinatal depression. I have to say it, it is absolutely horrible. Women didn't talk about it back then. Some people considered it dangerous if a woman complained like that with a baby inside her. But now women talk about it every day. So, what is perinatal depression? Perinatal depression is one of the most common complications of pregnancy and at the childbirth, affecting as many as as one in seven women, says the U.S. Uh, Preventative Services Tax Force. Perinatal refers to pregnancy in up to one year postpartum, explains Paige Ballenbaum, LMSW, founding director of the Motherhood Center in New York. Since the pandemic began, this number has been cited as high as 50 to 70, 70% of all perinatal women, she adds. Common signs of perinatal depression are feeling hopeless and or helpless most of the day, every day, feeling shame, guilt, or like a failure. Feeling a little to no joy in the things that usually bring you joy, having a difficult time making a decision, not feeling connected to or bonding, bonded with the baby. Not being able to sleep when the baby is sleeping or being cared for or sleeping too much. Not having an appetite or eating a lot more than usual and having thoughts of wanting to escape or harming yourself, which can also be added. Suicidal. Preventing and treating perinatal depression. It's crucial to treat perinatal depression as quickly as possible to protect the health of the birthing parent and their baby. Studies show that it can lead to premature birth and low birth weight, plus more behavior problems, lower cognitive functioning, and increased risk of developing psychiatric disorders later in childhood. As with depression in general, many prevention methods are recommended by health and care practitioners, including physical activity, infant sleep training, yoga, and medication. And often the combination of these, counseling is most effective, reducing risk by 39%, says the U.S. Preventative Task Force. Talk therapy with a maternal mental health specialist can be very effective treatment intervention for women experiencing mild to moderate prenatal depression, says Ballenbaum. Being able to process the hard parts of motherhood and the experiences we ourselves bring into this massive transition can help a lot. According to Bellenbaum, the most commonly used therapeutic modalities are con cognitive behavioral therapy, which is CBT, and dialectal behavior therapy, which is DBT. People, people who have experienced depression previously at any time during their life are at a higher risk of developing during the perinatal period, Bellenbaum adds. For these people, it's even more important to be aware of the warning signs and seek help at the first opportunity. 
It's common for women to spend most of their time focused, focusing on the physical aspects of pregnancy and the arrival of the baby, and not enough time focusing on their own mental health. Yet, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, which includes perinatal depression, are the number one complication associated with childbirth, Bell, uh, Bomb uh, warns. She believes that all expecting couples and birthing parents should be made aware of the prevalence of PMADs and the, and the signs and the symptoms. It's particularly, particularly important for partners to recognize signs because it can be very difficult for a pregnant or postpartum woman to understand what is happening to her or know what to do when she's feeling hopeless and or helpless. Uh, she explains, we put so much emphasis on a birth plan, but neglect a mental health plan. Yeah, mo- like most other ordeals. Every couple should identify perinatal mental health providers in their community prior to giving birth so that they are armed with resources and options. Most importantly, don't wait for a perinatal depression to go away on its own. It very often doesn't. Seek treatment as soon as you feel any of these symptoms. The good news is that with treatment, everyone could feel better. So, what's this mean for you? Uh, it's common for pregnant people to experience a roller coaster of emotions, good and bad, while they're waiting for their new arrival. If you think you might be going through perinatal depression, it's important to know that help is out there. As Spirit references in her post, Speaking out about your experiences can help. Reaching out to your healthcare practitioner is a good step towards getting the right kind of support. And remember, you're not alone. Absolutely. Agree. So I'm going to read the post that uh, she had put out during a time Um experiencing with her perinatal depression. I lost so much weight to go on my Maui trip only to gain it back. I thought, geez, what happened to my stomach? My husband said, no, you're food pregnant, silly. So I got a pregnancy test. And, uh, well, I'm having a baby. Four days, four days later, I got a little more food pregnant. It's growing. If two are in there, I might just lose it. I obviously won't be going out as much due to the paps getting their money. Get the money shot of me. Like they unfortunately already have. It's hard because when I was pregnant, I had perinatal depression. I have to say it's absolutely horrible. Women didn't talk about it back then. Some people consider it dangerous if a woman complained like that with a baby inside her. But now women talk about it every day. Thank Jesus we don't have to keep that pain a reserved proper secret. This time, I will be doing yoga every day, spreading lots of joy and love. So, like I said, believe it or not, she has actually um, spent a lot of time on herself. And these are the type of support that you know, people need, especially for people like Britney Spears and the backlash they should be receiving when it came down to a lot of the things that she was doing um, with the uh, new photos and uh, Instagram. 
So you have to kind of take a step back and you have to think about what would you do in that situation? Maybe she enjoys being a nudist. You ever thought about that? Maybe she enjoys that. If she enjoys that, then that is going to help her mental health. Nobody's there to support when the proper amount of time has come or the type of proper problem is right there. Nobody's not going to support it. That's why she's been backlashed and getting all these um, complaints and talking about that, you know, she's not setting the, the, the right tone for how she's uh, handling the mental health and stuff like that, which is a bunch of bullshit. It's straight up a bunch of bullshit. You do what you got to do to keep yourself happy. You do that. Nobody else in your world of support is going to keep you that happy. Some things, sometimes, you would have to keep to yourself if you really cared or if you really thought about, you know, what people think of what you do. But for Britney Spears, she don't give a shit. It's out there. So it doesn't matter what you think. You know, it's either you with her or you're against her. She's been through a lot. She don't need any more talking about, you know, these new photos. And people saying, oh, she's driving me crazy because she's all in the news. So what? So what? There are a lot of things we don't want to see on the news. But this right here, we're talking about a woman that is actually trying to get herself back together. She just lost a baby. She had a miscarriage. She ended a 13-year conservatorship. She was controlled in every aspect of her life. Do you not think she would want to go out there and bear it all? You ever thought about that? I mean, for real. I'm just being for real here. I'm, it's, it, may not, it may seem like that I'm speaking in an opinion, but in all states, I feel like I'm speaking the truth. I feel like I'm speaking the truth, but it's just an opinion for me. It's just an opinion. But don't let people decide what's good for your mental health and what's good for running your life. That's just the whole gist of this. Don't let people do it. That's the message. What's happening, fam? How's everybody doing today? Hope everybody is uh, well, you know, taking their life seriously, enjoying their life like how they're supposed to in in their well, well ways. Uh, all right, so welcome back. Um, I'm gonna get into um. PMDD here in just a brief second. Uh, before I do that, we're also going to continue uh, the continuation of uh, the migraine series. 
um, I also I want to touch up on how migraines can really affect um, your mental health. And I'm going to continue on that. I'm going to continue on readings of the article that I read last week, too. So, um, let's, let's do this. All right. PMDD. So, for anybody that has, that is listening for the first time, um, I'm just going to say this again. Down to uh, two weeks to go now, which will be down to a week here. Second to the last episode, and I will end season one on this note on May 31st. Tuesday, May 31st will be the last episode. Um, I started doing PMDD as an advocate to help. Uh, one of my friends on uh, Instagram uh, Katie Dickinson and it's a very rough time but I still thank her for actually still regardless uh, for letting me the opportunity to share how she's feeling on her post and being able to read that her blogs and stuff like that but you know it's just a matter of time, you know. It's just a matter of time, but I really appreciate it. I will leave her uh, credentials in the uh, in the description of any podcast that you uh, where you get your podcast. So, there's a story here about a lady that is also dealing with PMDD. And so I am going to read this so everybody can get a clear understanding. Not saying that Katie isn't doing a good job, which she is absolutely doing 100% of a good job. You know, from her aspect, you know, I have learned in being able to speak on toolkits, uh, being able to speak on a lot of things that I didn't know that could hurt her in a sense of causing uh, suicidal thoughts and uh, all of that. So I would have never knew a lot of things, but in any time that you want to listen to that episode of PMDD, please, 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 I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. Uh, I want to find out. Uh, what episode number that was it wasn't too long ago it was a couple of months ago uh, that I did it it was April 12th uh, episode 29 and I uh, did that and ever since then I decided to be an advocate do thanks to Katie because it's a lot going on there's not a lot of help out here and there's not a lot of research and it needs to be out there so hopefully that she 
listens to this, and I'm pretty sure she has listened to some of my episodes. I know the PMDD she did, but I hope she actually gets to sit down and listen to this one because this is a very important um, story that I want to read. There's a lady named Kat, and she's been living with the PMDD. So, here it is. This is this also in the UK too, so... This is not something in the United States, this is the UK. It seems like UK has more, been more open about their personal problems versus people in the US. And this is why I pretty this is why I think that um, we struggle a lot with getting answers and getting treatments because we're not open enough or research hasn't been coming about. Donations is you know not happening. So this is probably the reason why. Because UK has a lot of resources. I have lived with uh, PMDD since I was 13, but I was only diagnosed at 27. For over 10 years, I have been diagnosed as depressed and in and out of community mental health departments. After stopping the pill and having the baby at age 21, my hormones went crazy and I suffered pre and postnatal depression. In the years that followed, I began noticing a pattern to my moods and depression. At times, I thought I really was severely mentally ill. I always had PMS, but I realized that my worst times happened when I was due on my period. My PMS was so severe that it had begun to take over my life, wreck relationships, ruin jobs, studying, and caused me so much emotional pain that I often found myself considering suicide. I will become housebound with no social life or friends and fearful of ever making an appointment because I could never guarantee how I would be feeling. It was only my persistence and researching that made me realize I did in fact have a mood disorder and not straightforward depression. I googled mood disorder disorders instead of depression and discovered PMDD which is premenstrual di- uh, dysphoric disorder. I read the only book available at that time and began to track my moods using the chart from the book. I found a GP willing to listen, took in printed information and my charts and got the correct diagnosis of premenstrual di- dysphoric disorder. Coming to terms with that, I mean, with what that meant took many years and sometimes I still struggle. PMS is one thing. Many women suffer with moodiness, anger, irritability, and and premenstruation. But my PMDD threatened to destroy everything. As a mother, I felt I wasn't well enough to look after my children. I have been unable to work and feel really separated from the rest of the world. Only 3-8% of women suffer with PMDD. The rest get through each month without disaster. It is very difficult to find people to talk to who understand what I'm experiencing with PMDD. It's so rare. And when menstrual problems are often seen as something to joke about or ridicule. I have often dealt with comments like pull yourself together and get a grip and even people deny that PMDD exists. Lack of research. I'm throwing it out there. Lack of research from professional like the doctors and 
psychiatrists, all of them, they can help with this. PMDD is distinguishable by the dysphoria that is experienced. Feelings of being completely overwhelmed, spiraling thoughts, outrage, anger, frustration, anxiety, and suicidal ideation coupled with physical symptoms, which can include bloating, IBS, tender breast, cramps, lower back pain, lethargy, and sleep, and appetite changes. I am sensitive to the changes in hormones during my cycle, and I also experience a few days of unstable moods and physical symptoms during ovulation. Ovulation, I'm sorry. My PMDD does not occur once a month, but twice a month, leaving on average 10 to 14 days of feeling like me, and the rest being spent coping with symptoms. This will continue until menopause. And this is why people can't wait. Period. I am now 34 and have tried every medication offered to me. I have discovered that I am very sensitive to any type of hormone that cannot tolerate the pill or IUD. I spent a total of five years on antidepressants, which never really worked for me. They took the edge off but didn't stop the extreme lows and outbursts. I have seen psychiatrists and gynecologists. At one point, I went through hormone treatment to stop all my hormones and put me into a chemical menopause. This is often a route that works for PMDD sufferers, sufferers and many go on a many go on to have hysterectomies. Unfortunately, this option did not work for me and the treatment made me very ill. I have found that counseling has helped along with my techniques such as CBT, NLP, and meditation. Finding support is essential. Being able to talk through the irrational thoughts can eventually avert disaster. Keeping busy is also a good way to keep the mind focused. So I draw, create, paint, write, and bake lots. I am now medication free for the first time in my life. I have I have had to learn my cycle and I now plan things around it. I avoid busy social situations when I know it'll be too much for me. Eating healthier, I mean healthily, regular exercise and avoiding stress has also helped improve my symptoms. Making sure I continue to communicate with loved ones and work through problems. Finding strength to leave the house even when I don't want to and being open and outspoken about my disorder all contribute to life feeling easier and less stressful and traumatic. Fitting into society and getting a regular job is a whole other problem. After all, I would employ someone who can only function and deal with stressful situations for 10 to 14 days out of every month. I focus on my children and being the best mother I could be. My writing, art, and getting through each month without trauma. One day, I hope to be self-employed. Living with PMDD is very challenging, but I am trying to make the best of my life. For me and my children, there is always hope. The negative feelings and dysphoria will always pass. Life is a roller coaster. But as someone once said to me, you're a long time dead. 
women need to speak out and stop being ashamed of suffering from PMS and PMDD. Every voice helps change the way people think, and I find talking and being honest is always the best option. There you go. Cat's story or PMDD. This that that was that was an important story because I've seen a little bit of Katie in this in this story because when I read her blogs I see the exact same thing pretty much what Kat's going through um this is uh this is something that us as human beings rather if you're a man or woman and I feel that women are actually more vocal but I feel men need to be more vocal about PMDD. Some of this stuff make men uncomfortable. For me, it don't make me uncomfortable. Now, what does make me uncomfortable is if, is if I'm actually sitting here and I'm advocating it, advocating PMDD and PMS, and nobody's listening. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Because it's like I'm sitting here and I'm advocating for this cause and nobody is hearing me. And that goes with anything with the, with my migraine stories, my, my personal mental health stories, all the stories that I have. And the reason why I start this podcast, if nobody's listening, then I really start to feel uncomfortable and I start to feel shame because either I'm not doing enough to bring this out or nobody's just playing flat out interested and I have to do more now is it going to stop me from doing you know from doing this podcast and doing more advocating no it's not going to stop me I'm still going to do it I'm still going to continue it and then take a break when I need to so I can prepare for whatever and then continue the podcast like now I'm getting ready to go in season one and prepare for year two and actually just prepare for year two you know that, that that's what makes me feel uncomfortable so this has to be a very more vocal situation very vocal because this is a life and danger situation for most women living on PMDD when you're living in the PMDD and you get diagnosed for that problem, that problem alone is damn near suicidal. This is how heavy it is. It's something that they cannot control. That's why the support needs to be there. Psychotherapy needs to be there, talking it out. And exercise. All of those have to be there so the symptoms can kind of you know help itself heal but at the same time you need to actually think about a lot of other things like Kat did in planning out how you're going to plan your day and avoid a lot of things when your PMDD starts to come around 
and taking notes and writing down in the journal and stuff like that also helps. So that was pretty fair. And I think it's understandable. But as long as I get deeper and then start to understand more what PMDD is doing to women like I'm doing now. Yeah. There's there's going to be that type of um not strange but different types of feelings that are going to be capable when people of men mainly and also women become vocal that's it that is it you know they get fearful of a lot of things they don't want to do things because they want to be a burden to people it's just a pretty much the same thing when you're dealing with your mental health with your anxiety and your depressions it's no different but the only difference is is that some happens during their PMS some works around it and we have to we have to find solutions for this and it was Kat's story that I just read now and then with Katie's stories that I'm reading her posts and stuff like that this is a start to start having people hear what we have to say about PMDD. But that's all I have. Once again, uh, thank again to Katie for allowing me to, you know, advocate this. I really appreciate that. Like I said, I have the her credentials down at the description for wherever you get your podcast. And you can check out her, you know, her uh, social media. But I'm going to take a break. When I come back, we're going to continue migraines part two. Be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I always like to, before I start this migraine series, I always like to just talk about the importance of uh, exercising and um, how exercising can affect, you know, um, your helping of healing of uh, your mental health. You know, it's just, and I've said this last week, I've said it the week before last, ever since I started the PMDD series, um, amongst Katie, I have just actually just got into the exercising kick and actually discussed a lot about exercising, how important exercising is, you know, and psychotherapy, talking, talking, and talking, you know, 
just being able to talk about your problems. Of course, you got to have a support system. If you have a support system, you could be able to talk about these things. You got to have that. Exercise. You know, I have, you know, I'm getting close down to um, 300 pounds. Um, I have gained some weight, maybe a couple of pounds. You know, but I'm still bothered by it, but I'm still going to continue to move forward because I have to. You know, I can't dwell and be depressed because I gained two pounds. Um, I'm at 307 now, and I believe it's 307. You know, and my actual goal is just to get down to 300. And I started a water fast where I still eat but I'm doing it in an intermittent fasting two days out of the week and that will force me to continue to drink more water while I'm intermittent fasting and when I'm not intermittent fasting I still drink a lot of water so within that time from Tuesday up until Thursday or uh, Friday I'm sorry um, I have drunk three bottles a day. Well, let me not say three bottles a day. Two, four, six bottles a day. I fill it up with one of my water bottles, and I actually have two bottles if I filled it up with the water bottle. But two bottles, so that's two, four, six bottles a day from Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But so far, but on Friday I only had two. I'm sorry, four. I didn't had six yet. But you know, I'm gonna work on that as the time of this recording on Friday. I told you my schedule was hectic. I have to <laughs> I have to actually find different time frames to do this recording. <laughs> so I am actually on the fourth kick. So that's six, twelve, eighteen. 22 bottles of water I better see some weight loss I better see myself down to 300 by Sunday literally you know because it's just and and me still doing physical stuff I'm not even exercising I'm still walking my job actually causes upper strength work you know, but the importance of actually just going out there and letting your body just work itself out, it starts to feel good about itself. Rather, if you're a big person, a small person, you still feel good about you exercising because your body can be able to function the way it should, right? So, that I feel that psychotherapy get you some psychotherapy talk to people exercise 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 if you can't motivate yourself find your reason find your reasoning to why you're doing it and then work in the one percent which equals one minute one minute of you exercise rather than means walking up and downstairs or rather than mean just walking just walking just do it you'll see a big difference you do it every day you'll see a big difference in your life that's the support zone. But 
with that, let's go ahead and talk about. Let's talk about. Sorry. Let's talk about. Migrants. Now. On this basis, before I continue reading from the article, this I'm going to read another one, the Modern, modern Migraine uh, Post. There's a Modern Migraine MD I'm going to read from that. Um, we need to actually understand how uh, migraines affect your mental health. So let's take a look at this. When describing migraines, patients often focus on the physical symptoms the pounding headache, the debilitating nausea, and the searing sensitivity to light. However, migraine is not merely a physical ailment. When describing migraines, patients often focus on physical symptoms, uh, which is, of course, all of that. However, did I just read that? Yeah, that's just the description the condition can affect your lifestyle your goals and your relationships and it can have a profound impact on your mental health your mental health can also impact the frequency and severity of your migraines so the relationship between migraine and mental health chronic migraines and depression often go hand in hand in fact migraine sufferers are over the lifetime over their lifetime between two and four times more likely than people without migraines to develop major depressive disorder Migraine patients are also at an increased risk of anxiety. About 50% of migraine sufferers have anxiety. For some patients, the anxiety comes first, followed by the onset of migraines, and for other patients, anxiety develops after a period of chronic migraines. Researchers are not certain exactly how chronic migraines, depressions, and anxiety are related. Does depression cause or increase the risk of chronic migraines? Do migraines lead to depression? Most feel that the relationship works both ways. Migraines contribute to depression or anxiety, and these mental health disorders might make migraines worse. Serotonin, a likely link. So serotonin is, of course, a neurotransmitter. I'm pretty sure you've heard this. If you listen to the podcast, you have heard this before, and I believe you heard it in the uh, PMDD series. Uh serotonin is a neurotransmitter that is active in the brain it is known to affect your mood and it also plays a role into the constriction and dilation of blood vessels constricted blood vessels are hallmark features of migraines although low serotonin levels may not directly cause migraines many patients who suffer from migraines do have low serotonin A deficiency of serotonin can also lead to anxiety, depression, and other mental health ailments that are often coincident with chronic migraine. Elevated levels of serotonin can also lead to migraine and serotonin syndrome. A collection of symptoms including anxiety, flushing, confusion, and changes in heart rate. Serotonin may not be the link between migraine and mental health disorders, but it also, I'm sorry, but it almost certainly a link for many of my patients. I don't know who wrote this article, but so migraines and mental health disorders are also connected by the effects that chronic migraines have on your lifestyle. Migraines affect 
almost every aspect of your life from the way that you interact with your family to your performance at work as your social life and progress towards your goals start to slip your risk of mental health disorders like depression increases in a 2014 study 78% of migraine sufferers reported that migraines cause problems in their living relationships this is not surprising at all when you're bedridden with a pounding headache and nausea several days a week, you miss family dinners, don't have the energy or time to chat with loved ones about their day, and don't have the stamina to spend much time playing with your kids. These changes are not great to your mental health. I'm sorry. These changes are not great for your mental health either. Feeling alone or like you're not able to be a partner or a parent in the way you like may lead to worsening depression symptoms. Physical activity. Exercising or exercise help ease the symptoms of depression and anxiety. But when you're in bed with a migraine, going to the gym, or even taking a walk around the block for that matter, it's not on your list of priorities. Many of migraine patients have given up physical activities they love over the years, and that has not been good for their mental health. Depression also has a way of keeping you sedentary. So you end up in this unfortunate never-ending loop. Getting your migraines under control with effective treatment can be a good first step towards easing mental health, mental health symptoms, and becoming more active again. Work and career. Sometimes struggles at work can be the mediator between migraine and poor mental health. Chronic migraine can cause work performance to suffer. You may be passed up for promotions, unable to work in the field you once loved, or even let go from jobs due to illness. This can lead to feelings of worthlessness and a lack of self-esteem, which can feed into depression and mental illness. Treating your migraines can be the first step towards getting your career back on track, which can help improve your mental health. The relationship between migraines and mental health is complex, and more research is needed to fully understand it. Chronic migraines impact your lifestyle in numerous ways, and those lifestyle changes are not good for you mentally. If you're ready to improve your lifestyle and uh, mental health, it's time to take an aggressive, evidence-based approach towards migraine treatment. That is, uh, that's what we can understand about um, how migraines can affect your mental health. So, for me, when I actually suffer migraine, it's back then it was either because I uh, slept too long or I haven't had caffeine, which led me to a withdrawal. Now, when I suffer a migraine, it's because I've been drinking a lot more water less than juice and soda which I've really changed to more 7-Up and Sprite now so if I'm drinking one of those two I'm drinking cranberry juice if I ever haven't had that and I have had more water that's when the migraine kicks in, kicks in. but now I've gotten to a point where I'm starting to transition to more water and less Sprite 7-Up and uh, cranberry juice 
and that's how it led me to um um having a migraine and plus not to mention me not eating a lot the intermittent fast intermittent fasting has helped me but it has created migraines for me when I first started so that's uh, the most cases of how that happens for me so let's go ahead and take a look excuse me let's take a look and continue um, the other article that I read this is also be in the description the other article will be in the description if you're more than welcome to uh, reread it or whatever you want to do with it but I will have it in the description So what are the four stages or phases of a migraine and what's the timeline? Uh, the four stages in chronological order are the prodrome, a premonitory, or a headache, and postdrome. About 30% of people experience symptoms before their headache starts. So these phases go from prodrome, aura, headache, and postdrome. And this could take about 8 to 72 hours the four stages that's just a brief uh previous review from the last time and we got to talk about the type of migraines which was uh, migraine with aura and migraine without aura which is a common migraine uh, migraine without head pain hephoplegic migraine uh, retinal migraine chronic migraine migraine with brainstem aura and status migraine nurses so, I'm gonna, uh, that was just a quick review of what was previously read last week. So, how common are my migraine headaches? Uh, experts estimate that nearly half of the adult population experiences headaches and 12% of Americans get migraine headaches. Women are about three times more likely than men to experience migraines. Who gets migraines and what are the risk factors? It's difficult to predict who may get a migraine. Who, yeah, it's difficult to predict it, but there are risk factors that may make you more vulnerable. So this includes genetics. Up to 80% of people who get migraine headaches have a first degree relative with the disease. Gender, migraine headaches happen to women more than men, especially women between the ages of 15 and 55. It's more likely common in women because of the influence of hormones. PMDD can be a very good prime example, which it is. Stress levels. You may get migraines more often if you're high stress. Stress can trigger a migraine. And smoking. How often do migraines happen? The frequency of a migraine could be once a year, once a week, or any amount of time in between. Having two or four migraine headaches per month is the most common. Are migraines hereditary? Migraines tend to run in families. As many as four out of five people with migraines have a family history. If one parent has a history of migraines, their child has 50% chance of having them. If both parents have a history of migraines, the risk jumps to 75%. Again, up to 80% of people with migraines have a first degree relative with the disease. Can children get migraines? Yes. But pediatric migraines are often shorter and there are more stomach symptoms. Who should I see about my migraine pain? Discuss your symptoms with your primary care provider first. They can diagnose migraine headaches and start treatment. You may require a referral to a headache specialist. 
Do migraines cause permanent brain damage? If I have migraines, does that mean I get another disease? No, migraines don't cause brain damage. There's a tiny risk of stroke in people who get migraines with aura. One or two people out of 100,000. to this point but I will say this before um, I let you guys go and get out of here go on about your day I will just say that sometimes self-care or all the time self-care is is very important it's very important because of the fact that when we're dealing with you know life balances with uh, with the migraines and our mental health and all of that it's going to be very hard to actually try to compel between dealing with that migraine and then dealing with the mental health. And even though they said it has nothing to relate to it or there's no research that can validate or confirm that these relate, it's just more important that you just take care of yourself. Because I will say this, I have, I have cut my migraines down a lot because I used to have them a lot, especially when I drank a lot of caffeine. Um, I'm pretty sure they're going to mention it and it'll probably be next week when I actually do. Um, I think that'll be my last episode anyway. So I would get into all of the nitty gritty on that next week. And that's how I'm going to um, end my podcast. Yeah. So next week I'm going to, you know, go head on force. Um, but this is but this is how a lot of these things starts you get into relationships you do this you do that and boom all the stuff kicks in you know you think about a lot of things but you're not thinking about yourself and when you don't think about yourself a lot of damning things happen it happens I'm speaking from experience I'm not speaking as a mental health professional because I am not that but I am speaking from experience a lot of damning things can happen if you don't think about yourself first self care learn to say no relieve a lot of that stress I'm just throwing it out there for everybody just let yourself go and like I said earlier when I mentioned in the message with Britney Spears, you have to do what you have to do to keep yourself happy. That's important. That is very important. You have to keep yourself happy. Do whatever you've got to do to keep yourself happy. Britney Spears was going on Instagram just being butt-ass naked on the beach. That's what makes her happy. But nobody's supporting She's getting a lot of backlash from Nobody's supporting That's fine Everybody's entitled to their own opinion But you don't have to care You're grown But if you're not going to support it Then don't Be part of The problem Just don't do it 
If you don't like what you're seeing, don't watch it. Don't look at it. It's just, it's that important. It's that important to your life. It's that very important to your mental health. That shit can stress you out. Or you can just be plain ignorant about it. You know, just, just be real with yourself. You know what I'm saying? You be real with yourself, even though people's going to sport their opinion and do all of that. Yeah, that's fine. But a lot of people's not going to agree with you either. They're not going to agree with you. So just keep that in mind. But that's all I have for today. I appreciate everyone's time for sitting down and listening to me as I'm coming down closer and closer to end of year one. Uh, I appreciate the support that I'm having so far from you know, my listeners and all of that. I, I really appreciate y'all. I love y'all and thank you for listening to me. I thank Katie again. I thank her millions of times. I'm thanking her again for allowing me to help advocate PMDD. So just help. Help wherever you can. So join me next week on the final episode of Breaking Mental Health with Daryl. I'm going to continue this and wrap up the migraine series. And um, I'm going to share my message as usual. And then I'm going to discuss PUDD. So join me next week as I do that. But until then, stay true to yourself. And always remember, when it comes to listening, you're one step closer to bringing awareness. Let's go.